Hi, my name is Pete Redden, and welcome to The Way I Taught It, Next Level Aviation Knowledge and Microbirths. Welcome to another edition of The Way I Taught It, an ever-evolving podcast of aviation topics. We are currently lining up interviews with folks who represent different parts of the aviation career life cycle. All former full-time flight instructors, now all full-time commercial pilots at commercial operators or airlines. Stay tuned. The interviews are on the way in late February or early March. On with today's lesson, Lazy Eights. First, open your airplane flying handbook to page 10-6 and reference figure 10-4. This may help visualize what we are talking about when discussing the Lazy Eight. The Airman Certification Standards has four knowledge topics, like every ACS task, that you should be prepared to answer or discuss during your oral exam. We will chat about them as well prior to getting into the maneuver. In another episode, we'll discuss accelerated stalls, which falls under the risk management portion of this task. Please remember, do not go out and try these maneuvers on your own until you have received the proper instruction from a flight instructor. Remember, performance maneuvers must be accomplished starting at or above and remaining above 1,500 feet AGL. So why the Lazy 8? Well, to be honest, it is truly an exercise in coordination and aircraft control at a graduate level. There's really no commercial purpose for a Lazy 8, but it can help you to develop the skills required to properly fly the aircraft a little bit more aggressively when required without startling your passengers. The Airplane Flight Handbook states that the Lazy 8 is a maneuver that is designed to develop the proper coordination of the flight controls across a wide range of airspeeds and attitudes. It is the only standard flight training maneuver in which flight control pressures are constantly changing. So in this case, we're not going to be trimming the airplane once we begin the maneuver. We're going to try and maintain the same trim we had at the entry at the end and throughout the maneuver, use our muscles to fly the airplane so that as we exit the maneuver, we're exiting right back to our originally trimmed condition, trimmed airspeed, and trimmed altitude. Let's think through this a bit. We have changing airspeeds, changing pitch angles, and changing bank angles, which generates changes to our aerodynamics throughout the entire maneuver. You're thinking to yourself, why are we doing this to ourselves? Well, let's dive into the basic aerodynamics of Lazy 8s. We start off at an airspeed below maneuvering speed. I like to use 10 knots below maneuvering speed as my starting airspeed to allow for deviation while still remaining below VA and within the, practical, or within the airman certification standards. So we're starting off at an airspeed below maneuvering speed and slowing to an airspeed not less than five knots above a stall. While doing this, we are banking the airplane slowly up to 30 degrees of bank and pitching towards a nose high attitude just under a stall pitch attitude. So that at the beginning of the maneuver, the control surfaces are super effective. Throughout the first quarter of the leaf of the Lazy 8, we are, have established enough bank angle, about 15 degrees, and slowed the aircraft enough, at this point, the slowest through the maneuver, that turning tendencies are starting to take effect and we must begin to compensate for them with rudder and aileron. Halfway through the leaf, we are now lowering the nose to the horizon and are now beginning to accelerate, but continuing to increase bank angle towards 30 degrees and are still dealing with the effects of turning tendencies. Through the horizon, we are now rolling out of bank or beginning to roll out of bank and generating a higher load factor or G-force on the airplane as our pitch momentarily hits the lowest nose down pitch while accelerating back towards maneuvering speed or our entry speed and our entry altitude. After that momentary pitch down, remember the nose never stops moving. 
the nose begins to move back towards the horizon where level flight is reestablished with zero degrees of bank and our originally trimmed entry parameters. At this point, you're kind of halfway through the lazy eight. If you started to the left, you're going to start back to the right. If you started to the right, you're going to start back to the left. Now you're thinking, great, Pete, I'm about to turn you off because you haven't started even telling me how to do all of this. And that's a valid point. But remember, we have to cover the knowledge pieces as well as the flying pieces for the practical exam. First, during pre-flight planning and ground training, you're supposed to receive dedicated ground instruction on all maneuvers prior to accomplishing them from your flight instructor. Unfortunately, this podcast does not fulfill that requirement. Only your flight instructor can. Make sure you are receiving the dedicated ground instruction as there are knowledge requirements in ACS as well as for the flight portion. Your instructor should be taking the time to chair fly with you through the maneuver, maybe using a dry erase board, and establishing the basic understanding of the maneuver of the procedures on the ground. Second, take a look at the winds aloft and cloud layers. Determine the downwind direction and what altitude above or below the clouds you will have to start to maintain proper cloud clearances. Also, don't be afraid to use a satellite picture of your practice area during your pre-flight planning to find some solid points or roads that you can navigate to, determine the emergency airfield prior to arriving, and know how you're going to enter the maneuver before ever getting to the area. Also, calculate your 30 degree stall speed your level, your wings level stall speed so that you have an awareness of these speeds throughout the maneuver. We knocked out all the pre-flight requirements and now it's time to start the maneuver. Once again, clear the area. The airplane fly handbook on page 1-12 states that there are many techniques to clear the area, not just clearing turns. Bottom line, make sure you are purposely looking outside for threats prior to and during maneuvering. Establish the triad of clearing as previously discussed in other episodes. Basically, continuously scan out in front of the aircraft in the direction of turn and reference points and your instruments. Yeah, I know it sounds like a lot, but you have to build up that muscle memory of your eyes and your neck to make sure that you're constantly scanning for threats. It basically makes a triangle on the flight deck, that triad of clearing. What are we looking for? Well, the AFH states we're looking for other traffic, a place to land if our engine quits, and obstacles that may be threats. The threats in this case, more specifically, are clouds or those pesky overhanging shelves of the Class B or C airspace. The next thing we have to do is determine or identify points or lines for reference during the maneuver. Remember that satellite shot from your iPad in pre-flight planning? As an aerobatic pilot, I like straight lines if I can find them, more specifically parallel to the wind for this maneuver. You can use points as well as we we will discuss them in a moment. My straight line reference point is going to be as long as possible, horizon to horizon if possible parallel to the wind. I like entering lazy eights on a heading perpendicular to the wind and making all turns into the wind from that point. This helps you from getting blown into the next state or away from your emergency airfield. If you do not have a significantly long straight line reference, then place what you have as a reference on the side of the airplane in the initial turn direction. So if you're going to start the lazy eight to the left, place your reference to the left. If you're going to start it to the right, place your reference to the right. This will help you stay oriented to your straight line reference. The airplane fly handbook states that you should use points during this maneuver to establish 0, 45, 90, 130, and 180 degrees through each leap. The use of the word should is not mandatory, but let me see if I can explain it a bit easier in what I believe the airplane flying handbook is trying to say. You need to know when you are at each of these points through the maneuver and what pitch and bank you should be at at each of these points. 
So I use a road, a straight line reference, and I can easily tell by my reference to that straight line when I'm at 45 degrees, 90 degrees, 135 degrees, and 180 degrees through the maneuver. It makes it a little less confusing than having to pick five or 10 points throughout the entire maneuver and trying to keep track of them all. Use that straight line reference and then use angles the angles of your airplane in reference to that uh, straight line reference, almost like uh, laying a protractor on the ground and flying the arc of the protractor in reference to the straight line ruler portion. Once we've identified our references, we as a technique establish ourselves perpendicular to the wind and the first turn into the wind to enter the maneuver. Fly a mile or two, 30 or 60 seconds from your starting point or reference line, get your entry altitude set, get your power set for maneuvering speed and get your trim set. As a technique, I use 10 knots below maneuvering speed. Get the power and trim set. I cannot say this enough. Make sure you have the basics of trimming an airplane in level flight squared away before you start trying this maneuver. As you approach your reference, ensure you have established the triad of clearing. Get your eyeballs outside and off your instruments. At your reference point or start point, I like to say, I am starting my lazy eight. This reminds me to be slow and steady through the first part of the maneuver. Be incredibly patient at this point. I just think about establishing one degree of bank and one degree nose pitch up. This is where the lazy comes in. Be ready to be smooth but aggressive towards the end of the maneuver. Allow the maneuver to develop over time. Don't rush the maneuver. Lazy eight, it's in the name. It's the one and only time in aviation we get to be lazy. We are looking to pitch the airplane about as much as we are going to bank it in the 40, first 45 degrees of the ground track. About 15 degrees nose up and 15 degrees of bank for a high performance aircraft. As slowly and smoothly as possible and coordinated. Once we reach 15 degrees nose up, we are now also going to change the bank further towards 30 degrees of bank as our pitch now begins to come down uh, from the 15 degrees nose up towards the horizon. As we bank further, our vertical component of lift decreases, allows for the nose to slice down to the horizon naturally. Try and maintain a slight bit of back pressure, a slight bit of load factor, while the vertical component of lift decreases and the horizontal component of lift increases, causing that descent to start. Try not to push over on the yoke or the stick. We don't want to push the nose down. We want the, we want the airplane to naturally slice down due to the aerodynamic changes of vertical and horizontal lift. From this point, we allow the nose to lower to approximately 15 degrees nose low and rolling out towards 15 degrees of bank, then continuing to roll out towards zero bank and the wings reaching level flight at the horizon at or below VA near our starting airspeed and altitude per the ACS. So as the airplane comes down through the, the lowest pitch attitude, we don't hold the pitch attitude there and let the airplane accelerate. We come down, we touch maybe 15 degrees nose low, and we immediately allow the airplane and the trim and the building airspeed to raise that nose back up to our level flight reference at the horizon. We're not trying to push the nose down to make it descend halfway through the leaf, and we're not really trying to pull the nose up uh, towards the end of the maneuver. We're trying to let that trim and all that aerodynamics and allowing the lessening of the bank, the lower bank angle and the increase in vertical component of lift bring us back to wings level, slightly below maneuvering speed at the horizon. At the beginning of the maneuver, we are purposely slow and we are losing energy. Now, towards the end of the maneuver, we are still lazy, but we're getting a little bit more aggressive with our inputs as the energy builds. We're not trying to be Chuck Yeager or Maverick here. It's just as, as energy 
is lost, we must become slow and smooth. And as energy is gained, we are going to still remain smooth, but we're going to be a little bit more aggressive in our control inputs. Remember, everything is becoming more sensitive at this point. Note, if you are flying a non-high-performance aircraft, you may want to only target 10 degrees nose up initially till you determine the best target pitch for your aircraft. One more note, you should be doing this maneuver while looking outside the horizon, clearing for traffic, and referencing the ground, only momentarily looking inside to check your parameters. Don't stare at your instruments. So let's get back to the aerodynamics of this. This is all about control of your total lift vector, as well as the horizontal and vertical lift vectors. At the beginning of the maneuver, at higher relative speed than in the middle of the maneuver, you have more energy to work with, but we don't want to kill that energy all at once. So we smoothly, lazily accomplish the maneuver to a predetermined pitch and bank angles. As pitch increases, so does total lift, as well as the vertical component of lift. As bank increases, total lift does not necessarily change, but the vertical component of lift decreases and the horizontal component increases, causing a nose down pitch moment and a descent and a continued turn. Losing vertical lift starts the descent, increasing horizontal lift component keeps the turn going. Once we get to three quarters of the way through the maneuver, we begin decreasing the bank angle, decreasing horizontal lift, and increasing vertical lift. That change in lift vector is what brings us back to the horizon as speed builds. Because remember, we were trimmed for a specific altitude and a specific airspeed at a specific power setting. And we haven't changed the power setting. All we've changed are the bank angles and the pitch angles. We still have to remember all the effects of turning tendencies we learned in slow flight and in the chandelle. As we go left, the airplane will want to overbank and over yaw to a slipping condition requiring some right rudder pressure and some right aileron pressure. That's correct. As we go to the left, the airplane is going to want to over rotate, over bank to the left. So we're going to have to have some right rudder and some right aileron. This also induces some adverse yaw, which you'll have to come overcome with the rudder as well. When turning to the right, the airplane will tend to underbank, requiring more aileron than the maneuver to the left, as well as require more rudder to the right, setting up a possible skidding scenario if not done correctly. So ensure that the airplane is coordinated during these turns and plan ahead for that. So to recap, ensure you are receiving dedicated ground training for this maneuver. Do some pre-flight planning with regards to winds aloft and a satellite photo of your ground reference line or points. Establish yourself at or below maneuvering speed with power, pitch, and trim, and establish the triad of clearing all at or above 1,500 feet AGL for the entire maneuver. Get lazy. It's the one and only time in aviation you can. Look outside and enjoy the view during the maneuver. This will naturally help you clear and look for risk and obstacles and threats instead of staring at your instruments. Anticipate the coordination issues and get ahead of them. Again, I'm Pete Redden, and that's another episode of The Way I Taught It. Thank you for finding this podcast worthy of inclusion in your study of aviation. Please leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. If not, please leave feedback on how to improve this podcast and associated less than five-star review. Your feedback will not only make this podcast better, but make everyone listening an even better and safer pilot. I look forward to hearing from you. Until next time, fly safe, fly smart. That's The Way I Taught It. Episode references, Airman Certification Standards, Pilot's Handbook of Aeronautical Knowledge, Airplane Flying Handbook, and Personal Experience.